Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and I have escaped uh, the depths of the Fortress Inquisitorious. Thank you, everyone who left very funny comments about my audio quality on Friday. Uh, I did get I did get a chuckle out of those. Those were very funny. Uh, yes, as you can probably hear, the sound has improved slightly. I am now moved into partially into the new room, but there's still not a lot of stuff in there. So if there's a slight echo, I do apologize. We are busting I mean, ass to try to get this fixed. The 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 fortress is a hollow place. There's not a lot of furniture, so that's true. I was actually <laughs> thinking that when somebody. Somebody left the fortress. The comment about Fortress Inquisitor, like recording from the the water under the Fortress Inquisitorius. I was thinking about trying to podcast record in that big long room that she walks down in this episode. You remember the big hallway? I was like, I wonder what podcast recording in that is like. Yeah, that's kind. Of, yeah, it's like just a giant underground tunnel. <laughs> yep, <laughs> giant underground water tunnel. Well, Bradley, once again, uh, I don't think we have any news. Uh, no, not we're, since we're pretty caught up. Yeah. Well, we're 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 fucking double timing these episodes trying to get them out. Right. Uh, but I do want to address. Okay, so let's talk about tall versus tall. Oh, okay. The spelling. The, the I, spelling. Because I pulled it up on the Wikipedia, I think, when I was doing my notes or something, and they spell it the same that they do in the show. So I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. So here's the thing, right? So tall, T A U L, is an acidic planet. And that is the planet where C-3PO had his adventure and lost his arm and got his red arm. Tall, T-A-W-L, is a farming planet. These are two separate planets. I mean, I guess in a universe where, you know, giant bear people uh, and tiny mini bear people exist, uh, you know, I guess people can have duplicate planet names at some point. Are you ready for more pain? (laughs) Yes. So we have Tall, T-A-U-L, the planet, the acidic planet, Tall, T-A-W-L, the uh, farming planet. And then we now have introduced this episode, a character named Tala. In Clone Wars, there's a character named Tall Merrick, who shows up for two episodes. And then if you remember, uh, Muftak is a Tall's species. Oh my god, okay, I'm done with this. So to be clear... There is a tall, a tall, a tall, a tala, and a talls all in Star Wars. All of these five words are different things. Two of them are planets, two of them are characters, and one is a species. And if that's not indicative of fucking Star Wars, I don't know what to tell you. That's exactly what Star Wars in a nutshell. That's what researching for Star Wars is like. (laughs) If y'all ever want to feel bad for me, try to research a Star Wars thing. This week, we'll be discussing episode three, which is titled Part Three. Wow, Kenobi. this is really fucking easy. Yeah, I mean, I, I do love the part one, part two, part three. I think it's a, it's a night. It's just you never have to remember the name of the episode. <laughs> well, that and it, it really drives home that we are watching episodes of television, but this is all meant to be one giant show. And as of recording this, uh, episode four has come out. We are recording this between episodes four and five. Uh, and I'm hearing some people complain about episode four as filler, a filler episode. I don't think these people know what a filler episode is. 
Yeah, like and it's I, also not yeah, really no. an episode. It's no, it's part it's of the, the next broader part. Yeah. limited series. So like we'll, yeah. we'll get to that when we get to episode four. But like part of the reason I like that they stuck with the part one, part two, part three is it, it helps it feel like all one cohesive story. Right. Comparing that to say Book of Boba, which was supposed to kind of feel this similar, but I feel like they kind of detoured too much when they did the Mandalorian episode. You know, it didn't feel like a cohesive story there, but... Well, Book of Boba had its own giant structural problems. Like I right. mentioned that we marathoned it recently and we watched through the entire Book of Boba Fett episode in one day, like mm-hmm. the whole show in one day. We just watched it from beginning to end. Uh, and even if you watch it from beginning to end, the Mandalorian stuff is super distracting and jarring. So that that show has has pretty deep rating issues. That's why I'm excited to see this one all together because it'll feel way better, I think, in the, in the yeah. rewatch. It definitely feels like they designed this to be marathon. They designed this for you to block out four hours and sit down and watch it. Yeah, I love that. This week, Obi-Wan Kenobi searches for allies on a new planet. Probe droids are sent out to find the duo. Kenobi and Leia meet Haja's contact who helps them escape the Empire. And Obi-Wan is confronted by Vader and Leia is captured by Reva. Charles, what is one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you did not? One thing I liked about this episode, this is probably the most subtly political Star Wars has gotten in a while. Like, it, it, it does politics all the time. I'm sorry, there is no politics in Star Wars. But if there were politics in Star Wars, it does it all the time. This is very subtle. This is in the production design. This is in the character concepts. This is how the characters interact with each other. And we'll, we'll get to the character I'm talking about in a bit. But I loved that it, it was a thing that you could watch. And like a five-year-old is not going to understand what's going on in this scene. But a 30-year-old is absolutely going to know what's happening in this scene. And they don't have to spell it out for you. They kind of do. But you know Basically, from the minute Obi-Wan walks around the the like truck thing that you know exactly what's going on here. And I, I love that it doesn't just turn to the camera and say, here is the politics of this show. One thing that I didn't like, this is so hard, Bradley, why do you make me do this every week? One thing I, I don't it's like. It's very nitpicky, but you have to pick something. I mean, just something, anything. Okay, I will pick one thing. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about it because a gallery hasn't come out yet. We don't know too much, Um, but I don't know how much of James Earl Jones's voice was made with respoiler. He's credited Mm. as the voice of Darth Vader, but you can see in the credits that some of the services were provided by respoiler, which is the the Mm. AI generating that they use to voice Luke in Book of Boba Fett. I am vaguely curious how much of that they used. And like, it's, it sounds better here. Yeah. Luke was a little bit weird. Vader, I think the modulation sounds weird. And also Vader doesn't talk as much. Right. But I'm going to say that's the, the one thing I didn't like was the presence of a spoiler in this episode. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it does feel very like TikTok, like voice to text like they right. just kind of threw it in there well i'm curious how much it is because again unlike luke skywalker vader sounds yeah like vader sounds really good the thing is 
I'm just curious how much of that was like how Actual what this process was it. like. Yeah. Like, did Hayden voice this and then they layered it over with James Earl Jones with her spoiler? Did James Earl Jones provide some voice work? Mm-hmm. Like, I I need to know this, but it, that seeing that in the credits made me very uncomfortable. I don't I like say, when Star Wars does this. Based on just the credits alone, like just face value, I would say that, I mean, because it does say Hayden is only doing the body. It doesn't say he's doing the voice in just the credits. Now, I don't know how much of him, his performance he's actually doing, you know, because part of his performance, it, it also has the stunt double is the actual body work, it says. So it's like, I don't know how much of Hayden is in this other than like for right now. I think we may be guess, getting more later. But I'm going to guess anytime he's whacking on Obi-Wan, that's the stunt double. And anytime yeah. he's standing there menacingly, that's Hayden. Menacingly. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, anytime he's by, I would say anytime Vader is by himself and not performing too much heavy action, it would be Hayden because, you know, he's not as tall. I think the stunt double actually is like a good six or seven feet tall. So it makes Vader seem like very menacing when he's standing next to people. I think, yeah, I think like when he's on the throne or something and one, I don't think it's this episode, but um, when he's in the, oh no, maybe it is in this episode. He, he's, he sits on the throne. In this oh yeah, it's at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, where he's sitting. It's in the very throne. beginning of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's Hayden. But then when he's whacking on Obi, yeah, you're right. I think he, that's just the stunt double. Yeah, and I even think like when it cuts back and he's just standing there and he's watching the fire, that's Hayden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I think so. I mean, then again, think... until we watch the gallery, we won't really know. <laughs> until we watch the gallery, we won't know. Right, yes. right. Um, so what I about guess you, Bradley? I was going to say, I one, guess I can go into my stuff, yeah. One thing you liked and one thing you did not. Um, I really liked uh, the robot Ned B. Um, I thought he was really cute. Uh, it's, it's interesting and refreshing to a point that he doesn't talk but he still conveys emotion somehow. I, it, it's very like Mandalorian-esque, like acting underneath the helmet kind of thing. Um, I love that. I also love how, you know, we were trying to guess like who was going to be playing the droid and because there's no voice, no one is technically playing the droid. It's just a body um, actor. So I just find that interesting that we were like trying to push this narrative that it was going to be some famous person voicing the Ned B, but I guess not. And we we will find out. Uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot of choices. We thought Benny Safdie, maybe. Yeah, he was the only one other than O'Shea uh, Jackson. But I knew that. We thought Benny Safdie, obviously it wasn't Benny Safdie, played Nari in episode one. We thought it was O'Shea Jackson Jr. Possibly uh, we find out next episode who he plays. Right. Um, so I like, anyway, I just like the design. I like the robot. I think he's really cute. Um, what I did not like was the um, the set design for this episode. I thought it was very bland, very boring, very outskirts of LA. Like it just felt like they just, yeah, I mean, I know it was obviously filmed on the volume. It just didn't, it felt very like that one episode of Mandalorian where you knew it was filmed out in LA. <laughs> and you out were just in like, Simi Valley. Yeah, I just, it, it felt, it, it was giving me too much of that vibe, especially when they're in like the quarry and stuff. I was just like, it just felt like it was shot outside of the volume i don't know why i think it was just because it was to me a boring set i'm gonna take exception to the quarry and i'm okay. gonna make an argument for the quarry as good set design but we will get to that when we get okay. to the quarry scene i have a specific argument i do think it was very minimal i thought that what production design was there like i love how it pans over and there's the like empire flag over over the thing but it is yeah it was a very minimal especially coming off the back of Dayu 
Right. That, well, I think that's my, that was my issue, right? Is like this last episode we had, it was this very elaborate set piece and it was very design wise, interesting and creative. And there were so many different things you could look at in the background and maybe there's stuff we missed, you know, versus this is just mountains and like desert, you know? It, I mean, now I understand like plot reason why it's like that, because he said that it was a mining planet that had been stripped of all of its greenery and lushness or whatever because of the empire but uh, i just uh, you know they might as well have been on crate you know what i mean like it's just like a bland plain planet fun fact listeners in about six years leia will go to crate <laughs> that is where i believe she will discover bail organa runs the rebellion oh interesting then in about 40 years leia will go back to crate <laughs> <laughs> it won't go quite as well for her our story begins on Mustafar with the assemblage of Darth Vader. Reva informs the Dark Lord of Kenobi and the Grand Inquisitor's death. He asks her to prove herself so that she can become the next Grand Inquisitor. So we actually start a little before Mustafar. We yeah, start I, I know. It was, it, I, was, I was skipping that because it was boring. It was like, he's just flashing and he's getting these flashes of Darth Vader anyway. So I just kind of... Well, no. No, I'm going to go back because I want to talk about the boring stuff. We're going to talk about the boring stuff. Shut the fuck up, Bradley. That's where the interesting <laughs> is. So he mentions Qui-Gon again. This is three out of four episodes. I don't believe they mentioned Qui-Gon in episode four, but this is three out of four episodes they've mentioned Qui-Gon I don't know how much longer they can keep hiding this. I'm telling you, he's, he's coming in the next episode. It's the next I, one. I like how the prequel lines they chose. So they start with Yoda, then they do Qui-Gon, and then they do Anakin. And then they keep doing Anakin. Like Obi-Wan is dwelling, he's trying to meditate on what Yoda and Qui-Gon told him, but he keeps coming back to Anakin. And I thought that was an interesting choice because they could have layered anything up there to just show Obi-Wan is flashing back. But they did it with such intentionality and choice mm. to say these are the ones we're going to use. They use Yoda's line right before he discovers that Anakin is Vader. They, they put Qui-Gon's line about training the boy, and then it's Anakin when Anakin is falling to the dark side. So I love that the, the choice assembling these flashback lines in this order. Mm. I, I like I use the word assemble. Yes, because we're also getting flashes of, of Vader being assembled. <laughs> Which honestly is... was arguably the coolest thing that I saw. It's very Voltron-esque. Like, it's like coming together, like Power Ranger. <laughs> and all form the head. Yeah, exactly. But we do see Vader's throne room in Mustafar, which we've never seen before. We have seen Darth mm. Vader's Doom Fortress before. We saw it in, in Rogue One. And then in the, I believe... Uh, Rise of Skywalker novelization. And obviously we've seen it in the comics. We've seen it loads yeah, in the yeah, comics. Yeah. There's a whole adventures Halloween series set in Vader's castle. Like, although for our purposes, we have also seen it in terrifying tales. That's right. We it's a nice we, little getaway. It's a nice little yes, in 40 years it will be converted into a Airbnb. it will be torn down, <laughs> rebuilt, converted into an Airbnb. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, sick throne room. Mm, like I did like it. We saw concept art of it, if you remember, but it looks really interesting. You know what? That's the one thing this show's missing. I, I missed the concept art at the end of the episodes. You know what? I just realized you're right. It's not That's the doing one that. thing we don't have. Yeah. It is it is doing the traditional Star Wars over right. 
over over stars though reva starts to say the grand inquis he will pay for the grand inquisitors she doesn't say death right and additionally it sounds like i need to go back and listen to the scene again but as of recording i have now watched this twice and the second time it didn't sound like she was about to say the word death interesting she doesn't say the hard d before she gets cut off yeah because i i only put grand inquisitor's death in my little intro because for all intensive purposes we saw him die so i just said death you know what i mean but you're right i guess she doesn't truly say he died and then the way darth vader makes it seem like he's like don't talk to me about that failure you know what i mean like i don't care about that person's problems like they're still alive but i don't care about their issues right now yeah let's talk about vader actually and and what he's doing here someone who wrote this clearly read the charles soul run of darth vader the comics Mm. because pitting inquisitors against each other is a thing that vader will do he's very sneaky that way he wants to cultivate the sort of environment where they are competing they are scared and they are competing with each other that is the kind of environment he wants so for him to tell reva yeah, if you bring me Kenobi, the grand the position of Grand Inquisitor is yours. Not only is that incentive for her to get Kenobi, but it's also a test. Right. To see if she can overcome the fifth brother and the other Inquisitors. Mm. So I like that choice a lot. I do like that. They they hint at it a little bit later where the fifth brother's like, oh, I already told Dater. I, I already told him. Yeah, we literally see this in later <laughs> scenes. Like, oh, I already told Vader. Well, dad loves me more. Right, well, exactly. <laughs> dad thinks you were a mistake because the condom broke. Right. Yeah, Reva really gives dad that, only like, wanted youngest, you for tax benefits. Youngest child energy. Like she's the youngest. She's the, you know, the almost almost the favorite. And the rest of the siblings are like, oh, I hate you so much because you're the you get everything, you know. It's true. Uh that is true. Fifth brother does have big older brother energy. He does. He's the older brother. Reva's the younger sister. And then, of course, our poor middle child of the other Inquisitor. The fourth, the fourth sister, sister is there. She's just there. Yeah. And she's, she's just following there. the rules. She's trying not to make any ways, biding her time while the other two squabble. She's middle child energy for sure. Meanwhile, on the cargo ship, Kenobi and Leia approach the planet of Mapuzo, which is under Imperial rule. They make their way to the coordinates Haja gave them, while along the way, Kenobi seems to hallucinate Anakin. Uh, So Obi-Wan does tell Leia that that's not how the Force works, (laughs) which I I did think was funny. I'm loving these sequel references. She's so great. She is. I'm just going to keep saying it. She's just so great. She is. She is. (laughs) I have no notes. Every scene knocks it out of the park. Out of the park. Out of the park. I want to bring up what uh, Obi-Wan actually says when when Leia asks what the Force is like, because there's sort of a poignant depth to it. He talks about the Force being like, if you're scared of the dark and then you turn on the light, the feeling you get when you turn on the light is like the Force. You have to remember that Obi-Wan has had the light turned off for 10 years. Yeah, I also didn't really care for that example either. Like I just Oh, you did not. No. I thought it was weird. Well, he's explaining it to a 10-year-old. Like okay, you okay, fine. I guess that's He's explaining it to a 10-year-old child. That's true. She's trying to like, he's like, Are you afraid of the dark? She's like, I under but I guess she would understand what that feeling, like it's the sense of relief, I guess that's what he's trying to say. Like when you have the force, you just have this like overcoming like relief 
or something right. like that you are calmness. you are like you are like enveloped in something that is keeping you safe and, and okay. showing you everything you need to see mm. so again he hasn't done that in 10 years so now he's starting to feel the warmth of the light he's starting to to feel that a little bit uh and also feel darth vader which is mm. sometimes turning as anyone as anyone who has ever brought a one night stand home will tell you sometimes turning on the light is not a good thing right because there could be a serial killer standing in your bedroom when you turn on the light and just standing at the okay, foot of your not, bed not <laughs> the direction i was with going with that but also true i'm well that's that's my reaction with kenobi he's like oh i'm gonna just turn on the force again just kidding there's a guy who wants to kill me in the room like <laughs> just kidding do, do you want to hear about mapuzo Yes, give me give me the 411 on Mapuzo. So we've not seen Mapuzo directly before. Okay. But it did appear in an essential atlas and a planet's list, planet's map uh, for legends. So it existed in legends, but it it only the name existed. We knew nothing about the planet. This is the first time we're actually seeing the planet Mapuzo. I went and checked because I sort of thought it was like maybe this was a Clone Wars planet that they visited. Uh, This one is not. Emphasis on this one. We will come back to that later in this episode. That's all we know about uh, Mapuzo because we're skipping ahead to Obi-Wan seeing a vision of Anakin. Finally, we get to see Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Hayden Christensen is in this. <laughs> Finally. Although I am disappointed that they didn't do like enough of a zoom on him. Like I felt like it was a little too zoomed out, a little too like, like it could have, honestly, they could have just chosen a stunt double. You know what I mean? Like it was so zoomed out. You didn't really necessarily like linger on him very long. So it wasn't. No, like, it's, you know. it's, it's supposed to be like a quick flash that Obi-Wan's seeing from like a distance and like, yeah. I don't think they bothered to digitally de-age him at all. Nah, I don't think so. I think they were like, this is a quick shot. He's, 100%. he's kind of like far away from the camera where we're not going to worry about it. Because he does seem like you could tell he's a little older. What I would have rather them done is if he sees these flashes of Anakin, I would have rather them be like the last thing he saw when he saw Anakin, which is the burned corpse. That would have been a little freakier and a little bit more traumatizing to Obi-Wan Kenobi which I think would have been played a little bit better on his trauma like if you saw like the burning corpse of Anakin just like randomly in the field like reaching out to him like that would have been oh my god Bradley why why I'm trying to make this like multiverse of madness you know slightly a horror film like you know oh my god (laughs) we get it you're traumatized by multiverse of madness I think everybody does on the moon Nur, Riva arrives to the Fortress Inquisitoris to inform her Inquisitor siblings that she is now in charge of the hunt against Kenobi thanks to Lord Vader. Reluctantly, the other Inquisitors follow her orders and send out the probe. Oh shit, it's the Fortress Inquisitorius. Finally. Now, I will say, I'm debating how I want to phrase this because I don't want to validate shitty opinions. However, however... I will say that to me, someone who has thus far loved Obi-Wan Kenobi, the fact that the Fortress Inquisitorious is less detailed and less visually interesting than the one in Fallen Order was a bit annoying to me. Now, we only see like one side of it. We only see, but like if you look at the one in Fallen Order, it looks a little bit different. I happen to see a side by side today. Oh, interesting. It looks a little bit different. Than this one does. Okay, I'll have to look. This it up. one, 
Yeah, this one's more of like a, a just a, st- a couple of stones sitting on top of each other. Mm. It looks yeah. very close. Uh, it may just be the angle. And to be clear, it is awesome to see the Fortress Inquisitorius. When we go inside it, so good. Yeah, I think the so next episode delves Especially way more next that, yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I am kind of going off of this episode because I watched the next episode, but I watched the next episode on my phone. So when I go back and do my notes, I'm actually going to watch it on the TV. Mm. Maybe I'll change my opinion. But just from what we see of the Fortress Inquisitorius in this episode, I was a little disappointed in it compared to Fallen Order. I thought that it didn't translate very well and you didn't need to change the design of it that much. And are we only, we're only seeing the top of it though, correct? Like the, like just yes. the hangar so, section? So the way the Fortress Inquisitorius work is that most of it is underwater. Right, okay. Most of the fortress is underwater. Got it. We're only really seeing this, like the tip of the iceberg here. Got it, okay. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously we don't know that until the next episode if you don't know anything about the fortress. So I guess for, uh, let's just say the the average viewer who this is their first time seeing the fortress, for all they know, it, this is just like a spike in the fucking ocean. <laughs> like they don't understand. Right. right. So. Right. Well, they figure out pretty quick. Well, they will say in the next episode yeah. where this is and, and what this is. I Go. will say, I will say I do find, and this is me just complaining about something I saw on Twitter this morning. <laughs> I do find the comparison of the sky a little disingenuous. Obi-Wan Kenobi opts for cloud cover, Mm. probably for lighting reasons. Uh, Fallen Order, when you see the one shot you see of the Fortress Inquisitorius, uh, it is this beautiful, like, Mustafar is in the background and there's multiple moons in the sky. It's this beautiful, like, and then in Kenobi, it's, it's just cloud cover. And... I'm not sure that that's a complaint that I have, but I think that one may be being a little disingenuous and willfully not understanding how you light a film versus how the video game works because they don't have to light anybody in the hangar in the video game. They don't have to, they don't have to do the thing from the next episode. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's complicated, but I do like seeing the Fortress Inquisitorious. And I do want to point out, that the room that they meet in the underwater mm-hmm. like boardroom yeah so cool i do like that they have like a view of the under ocean like just for no reason like think about it like the, the only reason why it's there is just to convey the sense that you're not in a box underwater like other than just here's like an aquarium for free basically you it's to show you that you're not in one of the galactic star cruiser rooms exactly no look we have actual windows oh my god i do like that lot actually um i want to bring up the fourth sister for a second okay i i i did her dirty when she first showed up we didn't really talk too much about her um because i did a minute bit of research and found out that she has a disney trifecta what yes so the actress name is raya kilstead i want to say that's how you pronounce her last name um, we apologize to yeah. uh, Raya and everyone, everyone uh, whose names we've ever said on the show. We have gotten all of them wrong. Right. So I want to point her out because funny enough, I actually recognized her because oh, when we were watching the second episode and I saw her, I was like, oh, she looks familiar. I feel like I've seen her somewhere. So she's actually in um, Superman and Lois uh, season two. She's the main villain of the show that season so that's interesting that she's on that but that's a dc thing so that doesn't really count towards her trifecta so her disney trifecta though on the other hand is she is obviously in this she is in two episodes of agents of shield okay 
and she's a villain in Agents of Shield. She's uh, in that alien season where they go to the future or they go to the past or whatever or whatever it is. Oh, I stopped watching after season two. The girl, the, the Agents of Shield uh, did some things in the final couple seasons. Maybe right. look. Look, I stopped watching Agent Carter after season one, even though I was really enjoying it. And I've been listening to Marvelous Divas and I've been going through season two with them alongside them. I just started season two. So maybe when they get to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I will go go. back and I will watch along with them. Yeah, it's kind of hard to watch after the first couple seasons because you're just kind of like. I don't want to say bored. That's a word I I, I will throw out when I uh, talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D the last couple seasons. well it's it's, it's network tv like it's network tv i know it, they were trying to do they started once they started going to the past and the future and the the thing you're like all right we're done with Here's, multiverse thing look <laughs> i did a pro i did a college project on dick wolf in a room that i think you were in yes but i, I did a I college so. project on dick wolf and i have called him one of the most evil geniuses in television because his distilling down of the formula to here is a cop and lawyer show. There is no gimmick. The show right. is just cop Cops and, and lawyers. <laughs> and then doing the same thing with firefighter is how he has managed to get so many seasons of things on air. It's amazing. Because you can mine that for years. Forever. There is a, there is a reason that most network shows that you're going to see are going to be cop shows lawyer or lawyership because you could have a gimmick you throw a gimmick in there and you're set yep. like elementary the gimmick was and i do think i'm rehashing this presentation from half a decade ago you basically like, are yeah <laughs> if you look at something like elementary the gimmick is sherlock holmes if you right. look at castle the gimmick is what if james patterson uh was a consultant for the police but you still have the cop episodes that you yeah. could just write into ad infinitum oh no every every show is like i mean i like you just said castle is the same fucking show as lucifer like it's the same fucking show just it's the same the de- show he's just the devil like it's network the, shows I mean? are the exact same show. they're all the same show every and single one, one thing one thing i do like about the star wars shows and particularly the mandalorian is that they avoid getting too formulaic because yeah. you could very easily turn the mandalorian into a 24 episode network tv show Oh yeah, easy. It'd be very easy to do because you just you stretch it out longer, and then you say, okay, every week he goes to a different planet and he does a different job. Very monster and of the week. Very very monster yeah. of the week. Yeah. It's basically like you could do Supernatural, but it's the yeah. Mandalorian. A hundred percent. I'm surprised that they don't adapt Supernatural into a Star Wars show and just have a show about two brothers who will do well, anything for here's each the other. Thing. Here's the fun. thing, right? Here's the thing, right? <laughs> So the original pitch for, for Supernatural was actually, and you need to keep all of this in the episode. The original pitch for Supernatural was actually, it's Luke Skywalker and Han Solo riding around in the back country of America fighting monsters and ghosts. I love that. And Sam is supposed to be Luke Skywalker in the Yes, pitch. he definitely is. And Dean is supposed to be Han Solo. A hundred percent. So that was the bones of Supernatural. The marrow of Supernatural is Star Wars. Shout out to the Mystery Spotcast, a podcast that is ruining my life. (laughs) Well, now that you say that, though, I want them to essentially strip the bones of Supernatural. Take that show, the essence of that show, two brothers, 
a fucking gay angel and then put that in <laughs> put that in star wars like make a star wars show that that just do that and just do a monster of the week thing where they have to go catch a wrath tar or whatever like stop it from destroying a village or something you know what i mean like so there there is a jedi not to get on my high republic brain rot again but there is a jedi in the high republic era who you have not met her name is ty yorick she was a jedi padawan that left the order she is a monster hunter now so that is an actual profession that you can do okay they did a whole like Kevin Scott did a whole like little graphic novel called Monster at Temple Peak, which, yeah, you could basically take that formula of going between planets and fighting monsters. Now, the budget would be insane. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because every episode would have to be a different planet, a different thing. Like it just. Well, also like the force, force spirits and things are a thing. So like um, this is a very cursed conversation. And yeah, I know we need to stop before they steal our idea quickly. Extreme, <laughs> no, because I don't want to manifest this. All right, that's what I'm saying. I don't want Disney to listen to this and be like, I don't want to. What? That's this. a good fucking idea. Let's do that. I don't. Nope. 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 I'm not putting this out to the ether. Moving on. So back to uh, Raya. Sorry, we went way too far on a tangent. So she did uh, two episodes of Ages of Shield. She did obviously Kenobi, and this. Disney show that she did. It is a show and I it's a it's a tentative Disney show, but it is technically a Disney show. She was in an episode of Once Upon a Time. So Okay. She That was a show that existed. It did. And honestly, it was one of the best shows that ever existed. It was amazing. Um so and anybody who doesn't love uh when your daughter marries your grandfather's uh like cheating boyfriend or i guess his ex-lover or something i don't know the the family trees in once upon a time you could have a whole podcast dedicated to just how everybody's fucking their cousin in that show and it's amazing uh <laughs> bradley we have already decided that if we were ever to do a chronological walk watch along <laughs> podcast we have already decided it would be teen wolf you know what? I'm just adding a once upon a time to the the list after the Teen Wolf podcast. We do a once upon a time rewatch, and then you're gonna be like, "Why is Frozen in this show? I am confused." <laughs> I do remember. So I do remember Frozen. I do remember Frozen showing up, and I do yeah. remember like when the stinger happened that Frozen was gonna be in this show. Oh, it was so good because Such a good reveal. because I really like Frozen. I yeah. think it's a good movie. And that briefly piqued my interest in maybe I should be watching Once Upon a Time. I didn't. I like how but, you're like, hmm, I should watch that, but I don't. I was like, hmm. Well, I did watch season one. Okay. I did watch season one. I watched it and I went, yep, I sure get what's going on in this show. And then stopped. It's very lost. So it's one of those things where you're like, you get into it and then you're just kind of like, all right, now we're getting really complicated. I need to get out of this show, but maybe I'll finish it, but maybe I won't. <laughs> this is uh, this is the episode of Tangents. I love it. This is the episode of Tangents. Uh, the last note I have is I want to point out that the Inquisitor squabbling here, this is exactly what I was talking about, what yeah. Vader wants. He wants them to fight and jockey for power and for someone to rise to the top hmm. because that is the Sith's whole deal. And he is, Palpatine is doing that to him. He is passing that along down to the Inquisitors. I have a sneaking suspicion that he might be looking for an apprentice of his own, hmm. potentially. 
I guess that would make sense why he puts them against each other because he's trying to just weed out the weak ones. You know, he's trying to weed out the weak ones. Yeah, so he can pick one to kind of secede him. Back on Mapuzo, Kenobi works on his cover story with Leia. They make it to the checkpoint, but no one is there to help them. Leia flags down a driver named Freck to help take them to the nearest port. Along the drive, they pick up a group of stormtroopers, and the pair almost get tripped up in their cover story. During the rest of the ride, Leia questions Kenobi on her real mother and father, and Kenobi shares info about his real family. So Obi-Wan has a lot of trouble trusting people. I like he how gets, he's so instantly like just no one's instantly coming. like no <laughs> one's coming time to go. Right. You didn't even wait five seconds. He didn't even he didn't even wait a couple of minutes. And she literally says later in the episode, she's like, I was on the way. Right. I was coming. I was just running a little late. And the, and the fact that he expected her to just be there already. Like it was one of those things like, no, you might take a day to get there. You might take a whole week to get there. We don't know like what the pickup times are for this. Yeah, that's that's a major character flaw of his in this is, is his inability to trust people because he doesn't yeah. want to trust Haja. He doesn't want to trust the, the, the mysterious contact. Mm. You know, it becomes a thing over the course of this episode, him not trusting people. Uh, and then Leia decides to trust somebody that maybe she shouldn't. Do we want to talk about, uh, do you want to talk about Freck? Let's talk about the star-nosed Molian, I guess. I don't know. He doesn't have an alien species name yet, so. Yeah, I don't know if they've revealed the species. Let's find out. This yeah, is because Charles didn't research. When I, when I just typed in Freck on Wikipedia, it was just alien. That's just what he is. He's just an alien. Uh, alien male who yeah. works as a transport driver. Yeah, nothing yet. So I, I just came up with the name Star-nosed Molian, okay. or just Molian for short. Because, you know, I'm very clever in my naming of Star Wars aliens. Yeah, let's talk about Freck. So Freck is portrayed, the, the costume is portrayed by a gentleman named John Rosengrant. Okay. And John Rosengrant, uh, he is the puppeteer and actor. This is coming directly from Wikipedia. He was the, the guy who was the performer for Gore Koresh. So we have a little bit of a thing that we fucked up in Mandalorian season two. Oh. Gore Koresh was just voiced by John Leguizamo. Right. I don't know if we said it in, in the episode, but he's actually played I by John we, Rosengrant. I think we did. I think it's very similar to like Frog Lady and you know what I mean? Like it's just a performer in the suit and then the voice is usually somebody else outside of that. So he's the puppeteer supervisor yeah. for the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, and then he also played Gore Koresh. He is, now Freck is voiced by, and this absolutely fucking sent me when the credits came up and they revealed who he's voiced by. Because he it doesn't really sound like him. He is voiced by John Dorian. Voiced by Zach Braff. These are the same, these are the same thing. I said the name of his character on Scrubs. Who the fuck is, I did not know his name on Scrubs. I was his like, what are you talking about? His, JD, John Dor- Dr. Dorian. Never. Yeah, I never did you never Scrubs. watch Scrubs? Never. Oh my God, you're missing out. <laughs> oh <laughs> my like, God. Who the hell is that? So, my family is all medical. Uh, one of the other big, we were talking earlier in our tangent on network television, we were talking about how you can have a thing and, and if you can hit a formula, you can basically ride into perpetuity. 
one of the things that you can formula is medical dramas. Grey's Anatomy has ah, been doing yes. it for like 15 years. Oh my God, they're almost on like their 20th plus season of that show. It's almost it's, as long as fucking The Simpsons at this point. I mean, it, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Grey, Grey's Anatomy has been doing it into oblivion. Right. Uh, House did it. Yeah. But Scrubs was one of those uh, uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, so most people know Zach Braff from playing JD on Scrubs. But yes, this the Freck is voiced by uh, Zach Braff, uh, whose other credits have included Scrubs and also some indie films. Let me check some if there's any. He's got else. some Disney films too. So he almost has a trifecta. He just doesn't have a Marvel credit. So unfortunately, I looked. He's uh, the voice of Chicken Little in uh, the terrible Disney era. And then he was just more recently in the uh, Cheaper by the Dozen reboot on uh, Disney Plus. So, but he's also in um, Oz the Great and the Powerful, which was the Wizard of Oz reboot that they tried to do he back in Oz the day. Great and Powerful. Uh, I believe he was the Flying Monkey character. Okay, that so that makes sense. Yeah, he's very you know that comedic voice or whatever. But surprisingly, though, the voice he had in this was not like recognizable to me anyway yeah it was shocking when they were like oh that's Zach Braff and I was like oh because it doesn't sound oh like yeah it. that makes sense it's weird but what's your next note I, I want to talk about the flag when okay. he when Obi-Wan walks around the side of the thing and he sees the, the flag, imperial flag. Okay. the imperial flag the guy has hung the imperial flag on the back of his car if you are a gay person or a person of color or any sort of minority and you live in the American South or you live in Texas, you have had this moment. I see what you're talking about. Okay. You have had this moment where you're talking to someone who seems perfectly reasonable. (laughs) And then like you see their car or you see like their apartment and they've got like a blue lives matter flag. Yeah, or they've got like the Punisher flag in it, or the or the or, Rebel flag, or whatever it's called, or the the Confederate the Confederate. Confederate that's flag, a big yeah. one in the South. The huge that one, is a yeah. big one in the South. Oh yeah, like you get in your Uber pulls up. I've had experiences yeah. living in the South where the Uber pulls up and there's like a Confederate flag in the back of the window, and it's pretty sad. But yeah, it's it, yeah. I mean, welcome to the American South. Exactly. But that moment where he walks around and he realizes just from the decor that this guy has hung on his truck that he is not safe to be around is a moment that a lot of people can relate to. And then the guy goes on to immediately be like, well, the Empire's great. There's nothing wrong with the little order. My favorite part of that is he's very like in that it's that very like Russian-esque comedy bit where it's like oh i love the government the government is great everything is good i do Boy, not I love oppose the, the government right <laughs> we love the empire <laughs> uh, and then yes they so i just i love that i yeah. i love that tiny little bit of visual storytelling there and the way ewan sort of pauses when he sees it it's like yeah no this this is a extremely relatable moment and it's sad that it's a relatable moment Love that Obi-Wan is the one to fuck up the cover story. As if to not make it any worse. It's like he's already in this, essentially a pickup truck with a rebel flag on the back and then, or a, a Confederate flag on the back. And then- I mean, the Confederates to, were rebels. Like, right. 
I know. I just don't like calling. I don't like calling it a rebel flag because in Star Wars, the rebels are the it means it good guys. It's different. It means a different term here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Um, yeah, The the Confederacy were was a rebellion. Uh, They will they will tell you that it is not. uh, I am telling you as someone who's probably read more books than anyone who's telling you that it's not that it it absolutely was. Gotcha. That was a that was a rebellion and a secession. Well, like I say, so not only is he in that vehicle, they proceed to pick up people that he does not want to be around. Well, they pick up the fucking cops. <laughs> right, exactly. They You're pick like, up the right. fucking cops. Yikes. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to give a bunch of cops a ride. Right. He's like, oh, I, I love like, the Empire. Let's get oh, him a ride. I, I love the Empire. Hop on in, boys. Like, right. I I know all. I bring you donuts every week. Every week. Oh, my God. But and of then, course, he's the one who fucks up the cover Of course, story. he's the one who fucks it up. Yeah. Well, they they deflect it well enough. She has learned to trust Ben thus far to take care of her. Whenever he says a thing, she has been going along with it. Now that she has learned he is actually a Jedi, he is actually trying to help her. She's been going along with it and she's been trusting him and he just fucked it up. So Leia, who has always known what to say, uh, because I retracted, I do believe it is Obi-Wan who comes back and says, well, that was her mother's name. He does. He fixes it. Yeah. yeah, Leia doesn't know what to do when they're off when they're off script she she's not an improviser she she is now uncomfortable she's not an improviser under pressure she was improvising to freck well enough but now that she's face to face with stormtroopers she's a little more intimidating yeah but i i did like how he was like that was her mother's name and then proceeds to actually talk about her real mother (laughs) yeah so once once the storm well and then once the stormtroopers hop out leia's like Oh, you missed it. You me dad. Right. She's like, are you my real dad? Like, this is suspicious. Like, what's going on? Like, everyone's like, no. Nah, I no. didn't have any children. Wink, wink. Exactly. I have no children whatsoever. That he knows. Corky, of. go back in the closet. Right. Go back. Go back. Don't um, come I, out. I like the theory that he doesn't know he has a kid. Like, he I does, but like he doesn't know. He just, he visually in his mind or like he, he can justify not having a child because he doesn't know about the kid. So there's a difference in knowing and then like being like, oh, I don't have one versus like, oh, I have one, but I just don't talk about it. (laughs) Well, he talks about his, his family and there is a deep cut reference here. Okay. Like when he talked about the brother, I absolutely screamed. I lost my mind because in legends, he did have a brother named Owen oh okay so there was some confusion because some of the early ideas and references for owen lars was that owen lars was gonna be obi-wan kenobi's brother i see and that made it into some of the stuff references to ben's brother owen made it onto like toy packaging and things like that i see so that was mildly retconned to say he had a brother named owen but it was a different owen so when he mentions the brother it's a reference to legends so do you think that i mean they didn't just like bring this up for no reason so do you think that they're setting up not in this show in particular but are they setting up something where it's like oh now we know he has a brother and instead of doing like i don't think kenobi thing i think i think that they're just humanizing the character of obi-wan Okay. This moment, I, I don't think, is away. about setting things up. I think this moment is about 
giving us a glimpse into what Obi-Wan has lost. The show is very much about what Obi-Wan has lost. And one of the things he lost, he lost his family to go and be a Jedi. He gave everything up and he barely remembers who they are. Uh, Speaking of not knowing who your family is, Leia's line of sometimes I try to imagine what brackets my father is like Mm -hmm. or was like. Uh, You're about to meet him, Leia. I know. So great. You're about to meet him. And then in eight years, he's going to torture you. (laughs) Well, what's funny, too, is that she is it's kind of pulling from, you know, I remember my mother. I just remember her being sad or whatever. It's kind of like bringing that into context. Like Leia never visually. Well, she I mean, she didn't look at her when she was born for like a hot second. But I think like what she's saying here is like, I try to imagine what my father's like. I try to imagine what my mother's like. I think she just has such a strong, like empathic ability to the force that she can somehow picture what they look like or they like the essence of them at least or something. Yeah, I would say that's that line has always bothered people ever since Revenge of the Sith came out. But so this might be an attempt to sort of explain that away. I I, and you know what? I, I think it works if you if you look at it in that context that no, she never visually remembers her mother, but she can somehow conjure an idea of her. She can conjure an idea of what Padme was like. Right. Because she has that somewhat strong connection to her family members, even though she can't recognize her father standing in front of her. Freck pulls up to an Imperial checkpoint where things get a little dicey and Kenobi is recognized by a probe droid. He attacks the stormtroopers and they are cornered by another group, but the Imperial officer with them kills them all and rescues the pair. Back on the Fortress Inquisitoris, the probe droid signal alerts to Reva and the others that Kenobi is on that planet that I don't remember the name of, Mapuzo. Mapuzo. <laughs> it's not in my notes, but I want to mention the line he that Freck gives where he's like, well, the, they ask how he's doing and he's like, well, the quarry's running dry. So here's the thing about Freck. Freck does not realize that the Empire is exploiting the planet. He's pro-Empire because he thinks the Empire is just bringing order. Mm. He hasn't made the connection that the Empire is strip mining my planet. The Empire loves people like Freck. Fascists love people like Freck. They absolutely love it. That's like, well, it's not really affecting me. And it's bringing order. So I'm going to go along with it. And, and the, the answer is right in front of your nose, dude. Like, it is right there. Yeah, your are nose. running dry. You right are starting to nose. lose your livelihood. They are going to ditch you. It's the whole headline of, I never thought they would eat my face, says woman who voted for leopards eating people's faces party. God, the, the, the political stuff in this episode is so fucking subtle, and I love it. I love it. Uh, but yes, uh, there's a probe droid. They have a fight. A stormtrooper gets slicey. That was uh, that was nice. I was confused though. I was like, "That's like a another work hazard." The fucking empire. Like, what? What are you guys doing? Like, there is no OSHA in the empire. There's no OSHA. <laughs> there is no OSHA in the empire. So the officer that that shows up and shoots all of them. The character's name is Tala Dureth, and Tala Dureth is played by a woman named Indira Varma. Hmm, Did you do any her. research never on Indira Varma? Woman. Never, never heard of that woman before. I don't think I've ever seen her before. Has she been on like a 
a small, tiny little uh, show with. I'm a, gonna pull up her a, list of credits because really I know guy named uh, Pedro Pascal. <laughs> so she might have acted against Pedro Pascal. Let's weird. Almost I, like I pulled up her wife. IMDb because I, I'm yeah. gonna talk about the two main things that I know her from. Okay, well, she the is, one thing that you know her from is from 2011, so you gotta let that go. I I will not let that go. <laughs> so Indira Varma has the distinction of being one of my favorite actresses nice playing my favorite character in this show so i am having an absolutely delightful time uh she is she's not quite a that guy but she's shown up in things Mm. a lot of things that i personally have seen uh she's obviously been in this she's lady well i will i will go through some of the other credits and i will talk about the two big things that i know her from She's in The Legend of Vox Machina as Lady Allura. She's in World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth as Catherine Proudmore. Shout out to the employees at Activision Blizzard who are fighting back against the rampant abuses at the company. You guys are the real heroes and also should unionize. She's been in a lot of video games, TV shows, but the two big things, you might know her as Alaria Sand from a little show called Game of Thrones. I, I may have where seen she was that, yeah. banging Pedro Pascal, <laughs> aka Denjarin, in it. Right, I love that. Uh, that is that is the same person. She was in, I think, two or three more seasons of it. After that, it all starts to blur together. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, really I with just it. now I just say she was in Game of Thrones. I don't. I believe it was season seven. Was her final season? Gotcha. So she was in seasons, I believe, four through seven of Game of Thrones. Cool. I know her most prominently as the voice of Vivian in Dragon Age Inquisition. So if you've played Dragon Age Inquisition, she plays a character very much like Freck. The Mm. character she plays is a high-ranking... So in the world of Dragon Age, right, mages are persecuted, and they're locked up in these what's called circles of magi. And she plays a high-ranking member of one of the circles who supports the existence of the circles. So she thinks that her own people need to be contained and controlled, but she's never really been personally affected by it. So she's a very centrist political figure who's like, we need to keep things as they are. Mages need to be contained, yada, yada, yada. It's the writing on the character is good. Indira Varma's portrayal of the character is good. I loathe that woman. Br- brilliantly written character, brilliantly acted by Indira Varma. Hate her. Welcome to the Dragon Age podcast. Yeah, I was where like, I talk about Dragon Age. Uh, but yes, that is Indira Varma. She is one of my favorite actresses and has been in most of my favorite things. Cool. Love Playing her. a character named Tala, who is. Um, a rogue imperial we, we will find out what she is yeah <laughs> clearly uh the only note i have about the the inquisitor scene that wasn't previously covered because it's more inquisitor squabbling yeah i looked up ventrium which is the metal they mentioned they mine it appeared in some video games from legend so it appeared in the clone wars adventures and it appeared in star wars galaxies it hadn't appeared anywhere else this is its first canon mention. This is the first other time it's been mentioned. In town, Tala brings Kenobi and Leia to hide them until one of her pilots can take them off world. There, they meet Ned B, a loader droid. Tala reveals a secret underground group that helps force sensitive people escape the Empire called the Path. 
Uh, shout out to the cargo lifter from Rogue One. We see one of those in the background. Uh, I, I love the interaction between Leia and Ned B. I do. She's well, and we already have established that she is kind to droids because not because they're not people, but because it's just to practice being polite. This is what you do. Just treat other people with kindness. So she practices with droids. So it's nice that she's speaking to him, even though, you know, uh, Tala tells her like, oh, he can't speak. He doesn't. He's just a loader droid. They don't allow them to speak. Yes. I everything about Ned B is is absolutely fantastic. Like. Mm-hmm. The way the character conveys so much, the way that he interacts with Leia when they're having the conversation with Lola, it's so good. So good. I'm glad that he goes along with them at the end of the episode. I I suspect he will show up again in episode five or six. Let's hope so. Okay. So there's a lot of Easter eggs in this safe room. I was like, oh my God, can we get to all of them? Okay, let's just fire rapid do them all. So I've, I've noted down some of my favorites, but okay. these are not, by all, by all means, these are not definitively. There okay. are multiple names of Jedi who were in Legends who are carved into the walls. Got it. Okay. Uh, Gingers are plants on TikTok, I think, has gone through a bunch of this Arabesh mm. and translated it. Uh, but some others, Cinelinks, I know, has mentioned some of these Easter eggs as well. A lot of the carvings are, are initials, presumably initials of people who were crew members on the show uh, um there's the jedi symbol but the one in particular when when tala is first changing and and the camera kind of pans over to her and there's like a a thing written in the wall behind her do you know what that says bradley no what does it say it says um for life and light it is the motto from the high republic era well okay that motto is for light and life this is backwards this is for life and light, but close enough. Bradley, we have gotten a High Republic reference in a live action TV show. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. No. Yes, it has happened. Keep the High Republic out of my Star Wars. No, more High Republic <laughs> references. Well, the references keep coming because yeah. she mentions that this place, the path, takes Jedi to a planet called Jabim. Do you know anything about Jabim, Bradley? In light, in light, in me on Jabim. Get fucked. That was a bad joke. <laughs> Get fucked. So Jabim is an interesting. When I heard that this was another, I heard this name and I screamed line because I went, "Oh God, oh God, it's this fucking place." So I'm gonna, I'm gonna condense this as much as I can. In canon, we know that there was a battle of Jabim. It is mentioned in Brotherhood. We have not seen it. In Legends, Jabim is one of the most important battles of the Clone War. It is also one of the bloodiest. It is one of the highest casualty counts. And it's a battle where Anakin thinks that Obi-Wan died in it, I do believe. So it was like this, in the original Dark Horse comics run, it was this big, like, moment. Hmm. Jabim was a and they talk about it a lot afterwards. So that is a, a really nice Legends reference to bring that planet back into canon. And we will see it in the next episode. It looks a lot like the planet from Legends where this Battle of Jabim happened. And the fact that the Battle of Jabim was such a clusterfuck, and specifically Anakin was such a dick during it right. to the people of Jabim. Because uh, he basically like pulls their forces back and was like, this is your problem now. 
the fact that he's a dick comes up later when Luke Skywalker visits it. So it's this ongoing thing like in Rebels that the the Jabim is this sort of war-torn world. So that was a neat little deep cut. But we don't have time to dwell on that because we need to move on to the next fucking reference in this. So uh, we finally, finally, after years, have confirmation that Quinlan Voss survived Order 66. I went now... I will say that is the thing in this episode where I went, oh, because I actually know who that is. I mean, to be fair, you've, I, you've read Dark Disciple. Right. You know. So I have a better connection to him than most people do because they only would know him from a few episodes of The Clone Wars or something. So if they really paid attention, you know what I mean? Like he's not in it that often. So you wow. have finally had the moment. Of, the moment. I do I know that guy from the book. Yeah, exactly. This That's is my the first dude thing. From the yeah. Book. yeah. My first And you instance. get to feel faintly superior. Bradley, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that he's still alive. Um, I don't think he'll show up in this show. No. Uh, but they have opened the door for him to appear in other media now that he is quote unquote alive. So whether that is the cartoons that he shows up, possibly Bad Batch, um, you know, or just being Quinlan Voss in Quinlan Voss uh, live action, Quinlan Voss in in Jedi Survivor, maybe. Oh, you mean in the video game? The new the new video game. It's it's set at the same time as this. Oh, it is. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's happening at these. It's happening exactly the same time. So the fact that they're doing a sequel to that game leads me to believe that we're not going to get. Cameron Monaghan in live action Star Wars. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I do not think Cameron Monaghan is going to show up in the show. We're so close because this would have been the opportunity to do it. Is that well, underground we will, thing? We will see in the next episode. Yeah, uh, that no one knows Cal Kestis is running around. There's a specific point in the next episode, and we'll get to it, where a character delivers a line that they would not deliver if they knew who Cal Kestis was. Oh, okay. Interesting. So oh, very clearly, these people do not know who he is. Oh, I okay. will also shamelessly spoil the end of Fallen Order for you, but we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there when we it's get a, there. It's unavoidable. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to make the path's name worse. Why? I'm going to read a quote to you. Remember, you always have a choice to be better. You always have a choice to, to pick the right path, even if that choice comes a little too late. Do you know who says that quote, Bradley? Um, Count Dooku. I don't know. Close. It's Asajj Ventress. Oh, It's okay. what she says to Quinlan Voss as she's dying. Shut up. She tells him, you always have a choice to pick the right path. Oh, my God. And now this, this thing. Who wrote this? Sh- who wrote that this? Settles, <laughs> that, that, gets, that shuttles Jedi to safety, this underground railroad. Right is called the path i i love that everything we see about the path a plus there's a specific moment in the next episode that i'm going to highlight um because i was recently listening to an episode of a history podcast and they were talking about historical genocide and specifically how people were developing these methods to get people of marginalized groups out of danger and we will see one of those episodes, or we will see one of those things in the next episode, gotcha. which is very cool. I will specifically highlight it when it happens. Uh, I do need Tala to teach Leia how to shoot. I do need this. 
Yes. I I love Tala's back Tala's backstory. Mm. Um, as a imperial who joined up and then realized too late that it was a problem. I love the idea of so Star Wars is all about redemption. I love the idea that that she is working towards a redemption for having joined. And they didn't say like she participated in any specific atrocity. She just made the wrong choice to support the empire. Right. And they do have these characters kind of sprinkled in there, especially like in rebels we see, you know, there are people who just work for the empire. They're not necessarily committing crimes or they're doing anything wrong. They just have a job or they happen to, you know, they're just dealing with the system that they're in. And she joined the empire thinking like, I'm sure a lot of people in, we do see where they think that the empire is there to make things better. And it remember, just turns out that it's not. Remember in the bad batch, we saw the empire like parading through the streets and people cheering for them. Right. They're excited. Like people thought they're like, Oh yeah, this is finally going to bring some order after three years of war. I, I love her backstory. I love everything about her. We also can kind of tell definitively that if if Leia did not realize... So I noted that I thought this was where Leia learned Obi-Wan's name because she clearly knows it in episode four. Uh Then I realized that she sees the wanted thing in episode two. That's where she learns it. Got it. She just keep calling him Ben because that's what he wants to be called. So my note was actually wrong. I did an on-air correction of myself. It's probably because you read too much. Probably because um, I read too much. Yeah. It's <laughs> rotted my brain. Well, there's just no space in there for regular things. You know, you just, you're reading too much High Republic and it's It is. I have the High Republic brain rot in my head <laughs> is what's wrong. Kenobi senses a disturbance in the force as Vader and the other Inquisitors arrive in town. Vader kills and tortures multiple people for fun as he tries to draw Kenobi out. Tala separates from Kenobi as she takes Leia to the spaceport and Kenobi runs to a nearby quarry to distract Vader. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> oh my fucking god. I love how the Inquisitors no, no, are just this standing is terrifying. There. Yeah, I know. I love how the Inquisitors are just staying, staring at him, like being like, oh, he's, he's going a little overboard here. Like, they're even like, they're even kind of like, the Inquisitors are yeah. terrified of him. Yeah, they're like, Jesus like, Christ. Again, someone read the comics. The Inquisitors are fucking terrified of Vader. They are, are mortally afraid of him. This dude is walking out. He's not snapping their necks for fun. He's trying to draw Obi-Wan out. Right. He's just murdering innocent people to try to draw Obi-Wan out. So we saw that Reva was like, hmm, well, maybe I'll kidnap this little girl to draw him out. Vader's like, what if I just walk down the street snapping fucking necks? Fucking terrifying. Ugh. It's true. It's Vader in his true form. Like we we really like yes. I, it's, it's very the hallway scene in Rogue One. Like we get we're getting real Vader. We're getting Vader's rage yeah, is what we're getting. Uh, when we talk about like real Vader, there there are multiple components to Vader. So this is the purest expression we've seen thus far of Vader's, I wouldn't even say rage. I would say Vader's cruelty. Cruel. Yeah. It's him being cruel. Yeah. The Rogue One hallway scene was Vader's rage at his peak, mm-hmm. but he's fighting soldiers in that. Here, he's fighting people who are cowering in their homes and he's ripping them out and murdering them just like for fun the movements that he does like are just they're so david prowse like the way that he has the jerky movements and the start and stop very much how david prowse played him it is now time for me to defend the quarry <laughs> okay. i will now defend the quarry all right defend the quarry here we go because here's the thing if you are a child 
and you are on a road trip and you're obsessed with Star Wars and you have driven by a quarry, like a rock quarry like this or like a cement mixing plant, I guarantee you, you would thought that would be a cool place to have a lightsaber duel. Oh my God. I you... guarantee you. All right. Nope, every you kid who has there. gone by a quarry nope. has been like, that would be neat to have a lightsaber duel in. Yeah, you lost me there. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry you have no fucking imagination, <laughs> Bradley. I don't, clearly. No, it's it I like the choice because it's it's a lot more grounded. I like that it's it's a place they're fighting in a place that feels real and it makes the fight we're not focused on what like the environment around them. This is not like Mustafar, this is not like the duel of the fates. This is not even to an extent like the duel on Cloud City. We are focused on them because the place they are fighting is such, I don't want to say a mundane place, but it kind of is. And I love that choice. Also, again, that is my defense of the quarry. If you disagree with me, Bradley, fuck you, you're wrong. Yeah, you barely, you get zero points for that one. Sorry, (laughs) I can't, I can't defend the quarry on that one on just a child's imagination alone unfortunately who do you think this series is for bradley explicitly uh white men ages 45 to 50 (laughs) who do not have a job and live at home with their mother (laughs) if if you have a sunglasses avatar picture of you sitting in your truck uh and your sunglasses are on this show was made for you yeah (laughs) Uh, clearly that is the target demographic here uh, if you are the kind of person who is going to go see Avatar 2 on opening day, this move, this show is for you. Well, Bradley, everyone's going to go see Avatar 2 on no, opening day. No that's, one is going to go see that's that. How, this is how James Cameron works. Is He comes yeah. up with a thing and everybody's like, absolutely not. This will not work. And then everybody goes and sees it and it makes billions of dollars. We'll see. I don't want it to succeed either, but <laughs> it is what it is. As Kenobi heads through the quarry, he is startled by Vader. He tries to run away, but he keeps getting confronted. Meanwhile, Leia convinces Tala to go back and help Kenobi, and she presses on alone. Kenobi, now being hunted by Vader, begins his duel with his former friend. Vader quickly overpowers him, forcing him back. Vader ignites some rocks with his saber and uses the force to pull Kenobi into the flames on the ground. Before Vader can get to him, Tala explodes more of the rocks with her blaster separating them from uh, the stormtroopers. Ned B moves in and recovers Kenobi and they escape. So we talked last time about how the moment he specifically ignites the lightsaber is a moment. Yeah. Th- this is that moment. Uh, it's when Anakin <laughs> speaks. He ignites the lightsaber. Because he just sees Vader. He kind of pulls it out like. Right. And then he runs away. Right. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. he's Because it actually kind of felt weird because you see Vader. And then does Vader ignites his lightsaber and you're just kind of like, he just kind of looks at him for a second. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to deal with another inquisitor and like runs away. <laughs> well, he, he knows who Vader is. No, I know. But I mean, the way but he's he like, I'm not going to deal great. with that. Bye. One minor gripe I had, this was a, a blocking choice that was made. Uh, Obi-Wan exits to the uh, right. Like he exits frame to the right when he runs away. And then it immediately cuts to him entering from the right. Mm. Yeah, that's weird. And also, which is a bit of a confusing, it makes it seem yeah. like he ran into the thing and then immediately ran back out. Yeah, I don't like that blocking because 
normally what you'd want him to do is not even run off to the right unless you can visually see him running away like you'd want to see him essentially going like not even out of frame but technically like away from the camera so you can have some distance and then you can cut to him somewhere else you know he runs he runs to the side right it just seems weird like he runs to the side and he emerges from the other side and it's a weird this is the yeah. biggest fucking nitpick I have ever had in a Star Wars show. <laughs> this is how good Deborah Chow is that I yeah. have to nitpick this. Right. Is that the way I would have blocked it is I would have just reversed. I would have had him exit to the right and then immediately enter from the left. I see what you're saying. As if he has continuously moved off camera to another part of the quarry. I see. see. As it stands, it looks like he runs away and then immediately runs back. Because it's so dark that you can't necessarily distinguish backgrounds and stuff. That's just a minor, minor directing nitpick is the blocking and specifically that cut. Oh boy. What have you become? I am what you made me. (laughs) Good ass lines here. Some good ass lines here. Anakin is still blaming Obi Wan. Never for the himself. choices for right. the choices his ass made. Right. I'm like you. He wants to blame Mace everyone Windu. else. You did all this stuff. Like you chose all that stuff. Like Anakin, babes, you actively made the choice to do this. <laughs> actively. You actively. Yes, you were manipulated by Palpatine, but you actively, actively made the choice to turn to the dark side. You actively made the choice to strangle your wife. Right. You actively did all this. This was your call. You are not... Uh, and also plays on everyone's guilt. Because right. uh, Love it that Vader is fighting one-handed. He's barely... He's really barely fighting. He's just he's kind of barely like, fighting. He's like giving 10% at most. He's just this, whacking at Obi-Wan. And yeah. Obi-Wan is like sweating and trying to like hold him off. But it goes to yeah. show like how, how much... Uh, how much weaker obi-wan has become yeah, yeah, yeah and how much stronger vader is they are not evenly matched at this point i want to jump back over to reva real quick because reva has a quick scene where she discovers the hideout the path hideout yes and the graffiti i love this scene and i love the fact that this scene has no dialogue because mm, she touches the symbol with her hand and she's kind of everything like, is through yeah. the music through the blocking through the shot choice through moses ingram's astoundingly good acting everything Reva is feeling about this moment of discovering because when you think about it Reva's whole thing is that nobody helped her she, she was, resents them for we it. know yeah. is she was in the gutter she had a hard life nobody helped her she got like left to die assuming we're going with the theory she's one of the kids from the order 66 flashback right she escaped but nobody came for her I heard on, I believe it was First Steps, they were talking about how she might have heard or known about Obi-Wan sending the stay away message. Ah, okay. That Obi-Wan, she escapes, but she's still on Coruscant. Obi-Wan sends the stay away message and nobody comes to get Reba. Yeah, she resents them for it. She's like, oh. She resents them for it. No one saved me. No one came and got me. You know. When she discovers that there was a system that was put in place to help Jedi like her that she didn't benefit from. And instead she got, do you know how they make an Inquisitor, Bradley? Well, when a mommy Inquisitor and a daddy Inquisitor love each other very much. <laughs> uh, they get murdered by Vader is what happens when they <laughs> love each other very much. 
That is uh, a thing that happened. Two Inquisitors were a couple and Vader murdered them for it. Uh, the way they make Inquisitors is by torture. Ah. By torture, by just violent, violent, like, twisting them. I like that. Until they're unrecognizable. So Reva had to go be tortured while other Jedi are getting out? No. no. And she conveys that so beautifully in this scene. Okay, we can go back to the Vader-Obi-Wan fight. So do you remember in episode one, I talked about how Owen's uh, line to him about, um, like you trained his father was the third sickest burn yeah, 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 in the entire thing. And I said the second sickest burn was basically everything Leia says to him in episode two, yeah. which is roasting his ass for being old. This, this is the biggest burn in the entire show. A literal burn. <laughs> Well, not only is a literal burn, look at what Vader is doing. He has made a river of fire right. and lava. He has put Obi-Wan elevated. So he picks him up. He elevates him to the high ground. Mm. Right? And then pulls him down into the fire and starts making him burn like Anakin burned. So the layers of just this action of the way he is torturing Obi-Wan with this stuff, there are so many layers to this of Vader just being petty. Very petty. And it's amazing how petty he is. Like He's literally like, I will make you suffer like I suffered. Right. And he explicitly, he's making it so like he doesn't necessarily like die either. Like, so he's like, he's just making sure that he's just being tortured and hurt. He's not like, he's like, no, he's going to torture him later. He's like, oh, we're oh gonna, I'm going to keep torturing you. Don't worry. Oh, we're going to keep torturing you. We're, we're going to take you back. Right. He's not going to the Fortress Inquisitorious. Mm-mm. He is going to Castle Vader. And that is a privilege that is reserved for very few Jedi to get to go back to Castle Vader and get tortured by Vader personally. I love that. Yeah. Tala shows up, saves Obi-Wan. I love her strategic thinking. That she takes out the stormtrooper and then she's like, yeah, I can't take on Vader or anyone else. Uh, I'm just going to shoot and blow up the thing. Right. And block them from getting to Obi-Wan. I love the strategic thinking there. I love the shot of... So every shot of Vader with the fire is awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Especially when you can see it in the reflection of his eye. That is my favorite. Thing. That uh. is my favorite shot. Is uh. You can see it burning in his eyes. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's so good. A little on the nose, but it's so good. In the final scene, Leia arrives to the ship where she is confronted by Riva, seemingly capturing her. Oh no, Leia got captured. Yeah, we kind of saw that coming. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, well, I just knew that. I, I did like, because I kind of figured when they were like, we're going to get her to the pilot, Vader's here. I was like, okay, they're going to send Leia off. The back half of the show is going to be about Obi-Wan and Vader. And no, nope. no, Leia's going to be with us the whole time. But she's in the whole entire show. She is in every episode. They're they are just doing this every episode. I, I did not see it coming. I thought, I did think that, yes, they were going to make her storyline kind of like a three episode arc. Like, okay, he saved her in the beginning and now we just kind of have to like keep her around until we can just send her back home and then deal with Kenobi and Vader in their struggles. But no, uh, she's another nope. plot device now because now she's nope. ca- captured again. Nope. Yep. She is captured. Well, and that brings up an interesting point is people have brought up the parallels. There are parallels between every episode of the show and 
the original six movies in the Skywalker saga. There's a lot of parallels between Obi-Wan in episode one and Obi-Wan in part one. There's a lot of parallels in the investigation, the design of Dayu, the fact that there's a clone in it, all of this in episode two. This one is the mirror for episode three. It explains why people support the rise of fascism, shows the rise of fascism and its effects. Vader and Obi-Wan have a fight at the end of it. Somebody mm. gets burned in lava. And it's also one of the most cliffhangery, darkest endings because Leia gets captured. Right. Obi-Wan gets burned, Leia gets captured. It's one of the darkest endings. Next episode will parallel A New Hope because guess what? It's time to go rescue Leia again. Oh my God. I now, I, I have heard some criticism of the show that's like, oh, it should have been about uh, Obi-Wan and Vader because uh, that's what it was marketed as. First of all, it, it absolutely was not. You're no, that, that was just fanboys just assuming everything. That was you jerking yourself off right. and thinking that you were being marketed to that way. They marketed it as Vader being in the show and there's going to be a rematch. But the the marketing for the show was about Obi-Wan. The show is called Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is about Obi-Wan Kenobi. One thing I want to bring up that the the shitty little fanboys, because none of them have any media literacy. They're idiots who don't know what they're doing. One thing that they never point out is how the shadow of Anakin Skywalker has loomed over the first three episodes. He does not have to physically show up in episodes to loom large over them, particularly episode one. Mm. It's very clear that Obi-Wan is specifically struggling with guilt over what happened to Anakin. That's why what Owen says cuts him so deep. It's not just a sick burn. It's vocalizing what we've been watching the whole episode. This one is the most Vader that we've seen in an episode. And it is payoff to the first two episodes of buildup. And even then, when it continues on, the shadow of Vader is going to continue to loom over this, even if he's not physically present. So no, it's not a show about Obi-Wan and Anakin. It is a show about Obi-Wan dealing with his guilt over Anakin and the effect that has had on him. That was a tangent that I got off into. Bradley, do you have any final thoughts on this episode? I was like, were those your final thoughts on the episode? Um, or just final thoughts on the show in general. Final thoughts on this episode. For me, I'm going to say this was the weakest for just me. I, not because of the fight. I thought the fight was brilliant. But I think that is its own kind of, I want to say mini episode, I'm going to call it. Because I, I just feel like that's its own kind of thing. Um, I, I just felt like this episode to me was just the weakest of the three. Um, cause I enjoyed the first two as kind of one episode and then this one's kind of its own thing. I didn't really care for it. This one does kind of suffer from not having, not having come out up the back. Cause the first two right. weren't intended to be seen back to back, but exactly. they kind of were inadvertently seen back to back when they made the decision the last minute to premiere it at celebration. Right. I, that's that's just a small thing. It's not to say that the episode's bad by any means. I just think it's the weaker of the two because they were kind of a, a package deal. This may change as the episodes go on. I don't know. You know, I've only seen the fourth episode, so I don't, can't really say, but I doubt the fifth and the sixth episode are going to be the worst episode. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. All of the episodes have been good. Yeah, 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 for like, sure. All but- of them have been good. Even episode two, which I thought was the weakest, which is really funny. Yeah. 
uh, considering I just made a point about paralleling the first six Skywalker saga movies, and yeah. episode two is my least favorite. And it's Attack of the Clones. And it's Attack of the Clones. So it's really <laughs> funny that I also thought that episode was the weakest for me. Yeah. But none of them have been bad. Oh, no, not by any all stretch of, them of the have imagination. Been good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Some of them have been more good than others. Right. But they're all good. It's, no, I, I agree. And I think we're also in the hump area, too. So I think that's part of the issue, right? Is like, if you look at the season as a whole as two humps, because it's three and three, it's like we're at the end of the first hump. So now the second kind of arc is starting of, you know, this second half of the season. And I think that's just, it's just, that's all it is. It's just, we're trying to get on to the next three episodes and trying to finish this out. Yeah. If that was actually going to be my final thought is it definitely feels like the show is two halves. It's, it's two trilogies yeah. split up. And I feel like this was a solid ending to the first trilogy. So we've had Obi-Wan get off of Tatooine. We've had him reconnect with the force in, in part two. And here he's kind of had to learn how to be like a guy on an adventure again. Right. And he's linked up with the path who are going to be major characters through the back half. And so this, I thought was ending it, doing it, structuring it in such a way to where Obi-Wan fights Vader at the end of episode three. And then I think he's going to fight him again in episode six. I think that's how it's going to work. Yeah. Because again, if you look at it like a movie, if you're writing this as a movie at the midpoint of the movie, then the characters would fight and the bad guy would win. I think we're almost so, in the section of like the dark night of the soul. You know what I mean? Like, so we're almost, we're, we're, we're yeah, we're almost to it. We just right. had in episode four, we just had the act two finale. Right. So that was the act two closer. Uh, and we're about to hit the, the dark night of the soul area right. to where it's going to be. Well, we've led up to the act two closer. We had the bulk of act two in episode four. And then I suspect based on how episode four ends, we're going to get the act two finale and then the dark night of the soul area in episode five i see yeah and then six is going to bring us up to our climax and resolution all righty well that was a surprising amount to talk about for that episode to be fair a lot of it was supernatural and we did change it we did change it worse than usual but that's fortunately fortunately i'm looking at the timestamp, and we're not horribly away from where we were trying to hit so all righty well we will be, we're going to continue double timing these episodes. I'm not sure when episode four is going to come out. Uh, it'll just be a matter of when Bradley and I can record it, uh, get it edited and checked and get it up. Uh, I do want to personally apologize. Uh, I have not been making TikToks for these uh, because COVID moving, I might've injured myself moving. I have to go to the doctor later today. That's, there's been a lot going on. I just haven't time to sit down and make them. TikToks are coming back. I promise. I've not forgotten about you over on TikTok, uh, but I just need a little more time. So maybe next week I'll resume making the TikToks again. We'll we'll just kind of have to see. Sounds good. All right, Bradley, you want to go ahead and run the socials so we can get out of here. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gates. Did Charles fuck something up? Email us and let us know at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze, and you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode 
of Gold Squadron Games. This is why my cat is banned to the main <laughs> I know. It's just because his father decided to go get liposuction or whatever today. So he's I'm babysitting until he comes back. Wow, um, the gays lead such interesting lives. Now he's getting cool sculpting or whatever, because that's what he fucking does for a living. <laughs>